Hi there, it's Kath Ann, weekly host of The Homework Help Show, hosted by Homework Help Global. Of course, the saying is, just Google it. But this does not always stand up in the academic world. We will discuss how to spot bad science so you can avoid incorporating these types of articles into your research. First, I'd like to note that many of these tips came from the bl a blog article written by the website Big Think. We will link the website and the attached PDF in the description box below, so check that out if you're looking for a PDF to print off and put on your wall. Okay, now let's get into the tips. Number one, when you look at a research article or when you're doing research, make sure to be aware of exaggerated headlines or clickbait. First, check the title of the research article. In the age of clickbait, or in other words, the age where we want people to click on our information, there is a tendency to exaggerate headlines or titles to make people drawn to, towards the article. There's also a tendency to exaggerate or sensationalize the information within the article in order to appeal to people and draw them into clicking on it. If the title is sensationalized or exaggerated, this is a pretty clear indication that it is not valid research and that you can pass on it and find something more reputable. Number two, media misrepresentation. When you are doing your research, you may come across media articles that discuss research. However, the media also tends to exaggerate information or findings within a study. If you're hoping to use a research article and you find it in the media, go back to the original article and that way you will get the most accurate information and you'll be able to cite the research article directly. Number three, conflicts of interest. Sometimes large companies or corporations hire scientists to conduct research for them in order to sell a product. Now, this does not mean that the research is not valid. However, you want to be aware that there could be a conflict of interest or that results could be skewed simply because the scientist is being paid. Be aware of these types of conflicts when you are doing your research because this could skew the data and result in bad science. Number four, abstract language. Sometimes research reports will use abstract language or make speculations. For example, a study may use words like may or could possibly. Stay alert and aware of these types of words. This may indicate that a study is only looking at a certain portion of the information and not providing the full picture. It also indicates that the research may not provide definite answers to a research question, which could result in bad science and you may not want to use this in your research essay. Number five, a small sample size. Now, there are cases where studies will require a smaller sample size. However, the smaller the sample size, the more limited the research. In a case where a study uses a small sample size, but a larger sample size could have been possible, you may want to be wary. You're also going to want to be aware of whether a study indicates that a small sample size was a limitation in the research. Check for this information in the discussion section of the report or also in the limitation section. A valid researcher will make note of any limitations that come through in the research. Number six, samples that do not represent the population. Valid research will select a population or a sample that is representative of the population as a whole. 
If the research does not select a representative population, the research is then not reflective of the population as a whole. Number seven, there is no control group. In order to contrast research findings with a baseline, a study must have a control group. The term control group is referred to the group of people that is given a placebo or not given a treatment in a clinical study. In order for results to be valid, the treatment group must be contrasted with a control group. So when you are looking for a valid research study, especially if it is a clinical study, check to see whether they have indicated a control group or not. Number eight, a lack of a blind test. In order to avoid skewing the results, people in the control group should not be aware that they are in the control group. This is called blind testing. If there's no indication of blind testing within the essay or the research article, you may want to be wary of the results. Look into the study a little bit more. Blind testing is not always ethical and not always feasible, so there may be some wiggle room in this area. Number nine, drawing conclusions based on limited data. Sometimes research studies will cherry pick information and draw conclusions based on that information alone. This means when it comes to the analysis or discussion portion of the research article, the research article will focus on specific results alone without looking at the bigger picture and all of the results. When only a few of the results are mentioned in order to prove a hypothesis, this indicates faulty research. Number 10, results cannot be reproduced. In any case, during a study, results should always be able to be reproduced. A study should be able to be reproduced within a different context. If the study cannot be replicated, this indicates a case of bad science. Finally, number 11, peer review. Valid research goes through a process called peer review in which it is reviewed by other scholars and professors in the field for validity and whether it can be reproduced. In order to qualify for admission into a journal, a study must go through a peer review process. Keep in mind that even when an article is cited numerous times in the mainstream, that does not make it necessarily reputable. Check the content of the article and determine whether it has been peer reviewed and this will be your best indication that it is valid research. Generating research through a literature review is one of the most important steps in the research process. Google and Google Scholar was developed by Google as a research resource for people looking for academic information. Similar to other academic databases, using Google Scholar entails a little bit more than simply typing some keywords into a search bar. You have to know how to use Google Scholar effectively, and that's what we're going to focus on today. First, let's talk about how to access and use Google Scholar. Now, if you're not familiar with the database, as I mentioned, Google Scholar is a research database that has thousands upon thousands of research articles in it. In order to access the website, you do have to type it in manually into your URL bar because Google does not directly link to it from the Google homepage. So in order to access Google Scholar, type into your URL bar scholar.google.com and you will be able to have access to this powerful research tool. 
Okay, so why can't you just type a few words into the Google Scholar search bar and hope for the best? Well, it's because there is just way too much information out there. When you're doing a search using Google Scholar, because it is a worldwide database, you have to narrow your search parameters. Now let's talk about some of the ways that you can effectively use Google Scholar and make use of the tool in ways that are strategic and take advantage of all it has to offer because it is a really powerful tool. First, you can use Google Scholar to conduct backward searches. Now, let me talk about a little bit what I mean about doing a backward search. So you can begin this process in two ways. First, type your keywords or your information that you're researching into the search bar. You will come up with a number of citations. At the bottom of each citation, on the left side, you will see an, um, a word that says cited by and then a number beside it. If you click on that cited by number, Google Scholar will bring up a plethora of other resources that have cited that specific article. In this way, you can start to narrow down your search and find other papers related to your topic. Second, by looking at that cited by number, it is easy to identify whether an article is valid research or not. So for example, if an article has been cited 1045 times, this is a pretty clear indication that it is a valid research article and that you are safe to use it in your own research. Another way to conduct a backward research search is to find an article and look at their resources or references page. By scanning the references page on a valid research article, you then have access to a number of different research articles that you did not have access to before. And you know they are valid because they've been used in a valid study as well. So take advantage of this opportunity to generate some research ideas and even some new keywords and terms that you can use in your future research. Second, I wanted to talk about a really interesting tip. Search in incognito mode. When you search in Google on a regular basis, like most of us do, Google helpfully remembers your key terms and different items that you search. You may be familiar with how Google will suggest keywords when you're doing a search. Now, while this is helpful in a regular search, this might not necessarily be as helpful when you're searching for research. And this is because Google actively narrows your search parameters by making suggestions and remembering what you have researched before. This is great if you are just doing general research, but it might not help when you are looking for very specific information for a research study. This is not the time that you want Google to skew your results because you're looking for original content and original research on a very specific topic. So how can you beat this? you can put your browser into incognito mode. In this way, Google will no longer remember your previous searches. So for example, if you are looking for information on rivers in national parks, and you did a search for camping in national parks last week, Google will no longer remember that previous search, 
and will simply focus on the research that you are looking for in the current moment. So set your browser to incognito mode for best results when you're using Google Scholar. Third, like any database, you can't just plug in keywords into Google Scholar and hope for the best. Take some time before you do your research to understand what your topic is, write down some keywords and some questions around what you'd like to know about the topic. Now, of course, this is going to take some time. However, this will help you to narrow your search parameters and get more accurate results when you're using Google Scholar. Narrow your topic and begin to make lists of questions and keywords, break them into subtopics and then develop an understanding of what you will plug into Google Scholar. This will definitely turn out more valid results and more accurate information around the topic that you're focusing on. This process may be helpful in helping you to generate more information around each subtopic. Begin by writing down what you would like to learn about a specific topic. Then break this information into subtopics and develop a list of key terms and keywords. This information will help you to narrow your search parameters when you are using Google Scholar and therefore help you to turn out more accurate information. Now, if you are largely unfamiliar with the topic that you're focusing on for your research assignment, you can certainly use databases such as Wikipedia or other online encyclopedias. Now, remember, these will not count as valid resources in your uh, in your research assignment. However, you can begin by using these databases to generate some information and understanding around your topic and then develop a list of keywords from there. Number four, stay organized with my libraries. So Google Scholar has this great component to it called my libraries. When you go into Google Scholar, you will see a link in the top right-hand corner of the page that is titled My Libraries. When you do a search, at the bottom of each citation that comes up in Google Scholar, you will also see a small blue outline of a star. If you click that star, Google Scholar will automatically place that citation into your libraries. You can then use my libraries to stay organized and divide your citations by subtopic. This can certainly help if you're working on a larger project like a PhD thesis, for example, or a master's dissertation. This is a great way to keep your citations organized and all in one place. Number five, click on related articles. When you see citations in Google Scholar, you might have noticed that there is a small link at the bottom of each citation that says related articles. If you click on this, you will see a plethora of other articles that are related to the topic that you have researched. This can be another great way to generate references and more information on your topic. Number six, organize and automate your citations. Let's be honest, creating a works cited references page or a bibliography is a strenuous task that no one really enjoys. Use Google Scholar to your benefit and have Google Scholar generate your citations for you. All you have to do to generate a citation in Google Scholar is to click on the link below the citation 
uh, that is in quotation marks, double quotation marks, and it will bring up a list of all the various formats that you can use in citation. So for example, if you are looking for an APA citation, you can simply copy and paste that from Google Scholar and into your document. Number seven. Now, like many other databases, Google Scholar also has an advanced search option. The advanced search option allows you to narrow your parameters even further. So for example, you can search by author, you can search by time period, and you can enter more specific keywords. Using the advanced search option definitely takes a little bit more practice, so don't become discouraged if you don't get it right away. This is something that you can easily practice as you progress throughout your academic career. Google Scholar is an extremely powerful tool and something that is very useful for many students. It can help you to generate accurate and valid up-to-date academic research and make your research process a little bit more streamlined. Google Scholar can be a helpful tool to mine research for potential research papers and to develop an understanding of your research topic a little bit further. It can also help you to generate accurate citations and to organize them into a bibliography. Now, you might be wary about how to identify a valid or relevant research article. This is something we discussed in last week's episode, episode 55 of the Homework Help Show. We discussed how to spot bad science. So if you're wary about using an online database like Google Scholar, check out episode 55 for some tips on how to identify a bad scientific article and what to look for when you are identifying valid or relevant research. Okay, so that's it for me this week, guys. I hope this episode was of benefit. As always, if you have any questions, hit us up on our social media platforms using the hashtag AskHHG. Share your comments with us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Find us by searching Homework Help Global.